Hello and welcome to episode number 246 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Good man, it's always a good week when we're watching Wes Craven movies. Yes, we are back to continue our uh, everlasting ranking Wes Craven uh, list series. Um, Let's not talk about the ranking part, let's just talk about the movies. Yeah, so... um, and yeah, this was a really exciting one. We'll get into it very shortly, but this was one that I had never seen before. Um, so I was very excited to check it out. Um, but we'll get to all that good stuff shortly. Um, obviously, as always, we kick off with the news. And I've only just put one news story in here this week because there really wasn't that much to talk Crazy. about. Um, but also, I want to talk about our upcoming schedule after the news because it is very, very ah, exciting. The most exciting can't. it's been in at least a year. So I cannot wait to talk about it. Um but yeah, just this one news story. Um, so it's, it's regarding um, the legend that is George A. Romero. And basically this comes by the way of The Hollywood Reporter. And it's weird with George because we already there's already that movie coming out mm. on Shudder later this year. I forgot the name of it now. Something like The Fun House. Oh, I forgot what it's called. Yeah, that um, movie sounds gnarly. But it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. We've already talked about it. Um, but basically this is about an, an unfinished project. So <laughs> it's regarding, so before he passed away in 2017, he was developing one final zombie movie um which was titled twilight of the dead now basically he had created a treatment for a script um and that was kind of as far as it got um so the hollywood reporter are saying that suzanne romero the uh, wife of george has basically been working with other screenwriters on the script and is now trying to meet with directors to essentially get this movie made um so it's interesting because yeah kind of george wrote the original treatment um with a guy named paolo zelati and he is now working with other writers to finish the project um the quote here from Suzanne says, I gave him, meaning Paolo, um, my full blessing as long as I could be there every step of the way for it to remain true to George's vision. We had a solid treatment and the beginning of a script. I can 100% say that George would be incredibly happy to see this continue. He wanted this to be his final stamp on the zombie genre. Um, mm. And then one more quote, which I find really interesting from um, Paolo. He says, um, it is no secret that Diary and Survival were not the way he envisioned the series ending. And George knew it very well twilight of the dead was his goodbye to the genre he created and and he wanted to go out with a powerful film um i mean a really powerful quote to be honest with you mm. i really liked what he was saying there um and i think it makes it even more sad that he kind of in his final days he knew that these two movies that he made weren't you know what he wanted when you look at you know the impact he had obviously with his original trilogy of the dead mm. and then obviously a diary of the dead as well um the kind of the last two really didn't hit that the, the level that you'd expect from the great man who essentially created this genre. Um, so it's a fascinating project. What, what do you make of all this? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited by it. I think kind of, you know, like you say the, the way it's been worded is, is awesome. And kind of, you know, I've recently watched a lot, gone through the second site, kind of everything to do with um, Dawn of the Dead and kind of I have that itch to watch those latter movies mm. um, just because I've, I only really experienced it when they first came out and it was just like they all fell flat for me and I definitely do want to rewatch them but yeah I'd love to you know to have this kind of final kind of you know uh, I hope there was enough imprint from George in it to, to still feel like it's one of his movies mm. um, but but yeah like if there's a cool zombie movie, I'm going to be on board regardless anyway. 
Yeah, it's a real interesting thing. Like, George is one of these guys that had so many different unfinished projects. And, like, mm. he almost reminds me in the music world of with Michael Jackson of how, like, there's constantly people find, like, vocals yeah, so that he weird. recorded and they kind of remix it into a new track. And it's almost like his music. He's still creating new music to this day. And mm. it's weird because someone like Wes, who we're going to talk about, you know, soon he kind of passed away and that was it you know his legacy on the genre will live on forever but there isn't these kind of like oh well he had this like you know people aren't saying with scream five well he you know him and the writers had this idea or whatever um yeah. so with george it is interesting that you have all these like unfinished business um so yeah there's potential there god knows what it's going to turn out by but i 100 percent agree with you that like land of the dead in particular i remember when we watched that in cinemas and I, it came out in 2005. Like I was so young watching that in the cinema. Mm. And obviously I was a fan of Dawn of the Dead, which I must've seen God knows how young I was yeah. when I first watched that. <laughs> but like probably like a 12 year old, but like I was way too young to really fully appreciate it. And so yeah, Land of the Dead, I have to make a note of to like rewatch. Cause yeah, I've not seen it for, you know, 15 mm. years. Um, and yeah, wasn't a huge fan of it, but I know as time's gone on, people have been really kind to that. And I, I think I've seen Diary of the Dead. I definitely haven't seen Survival of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah it's an interesting one for sure like i'd be curious to see like if you got i mean i don't even know who you'd get to direct something like this it's just it's a very very difficult project but um, Schneider, mate. <laughs> yeah yeah we shall see on that one um <laughs> but yeah that's it for the news this week but yeah i want to talk about our schedule because it's very very exciting kind of i've earmarked here i think this is like nine movies that are coming out between now and the start of June. Um, so in the next month, which are all got release dates. And yeah, it's annoying because this is a mix of obviously cinema, but a lot of on the, on demand stuff. And it's kind of like, why are you guys putting it out now? You've had the last, you know, <laughs> you April, there was nothing that I cared about. And now you've got your, these movies coming out. So here's just a few to kind of airmark, and then I'll go through what we're actually going to be covering for the show. So the first one is um, a movie coming to Netflix called Oxygen, which is um, Alexandra Adger's next project, obviously after he directed Ooh. Cruel. Um, he obviously directed High Tension, Hills of Ice remake, really good horror director. And this is a more kind of smaller project it looks more like a thriller i think it's in like half english half french which i find interesting as well because obviously he is a french director mm -hmm. um so yeah I, this one looks like it's on my radar but it's definitely not kind of top of my list but it's one of those ones that like if we had a quiet week i'd be desperate yeah, to watch it, it. <laughs> yeah. so that's kind of around the corner um but two days after it, also on Netflix, um, is The Woman in the Window. Obviously, this was like a big movie last year that had a lot of trailers mm. and was a big cinema release. It then kind of got bought by Netflix. But then what's the most frustrating part is it's finally coming out as cinemas are reopening. Oh, um, yeah, where it's like you guys had, you, you know, they've been sitting on this movie for the best part of a year. I don't know how long Netflix have had it. Certainly not for a year. But I mean, this mm. movie's been done for so long and it's like it's just frustrating. But I still want to see this film. Um and then what's interesting as well is the same day as that, 14th of May, um, I have here for the movie Profile, um, that one we watched a trailer for a few weeks ago, this kind of that oh, on-screen, yeah. like, British good. journalist undercover in ISIS. Mm. Yeah, it looks really cool. I watched a trailer again over the weekend. Mm. I was like, this looks really awesome. Um, but this looks like all I can find is a US cinema release for this one. Right. Um, so this will be one to kind of put on the back burner. And then obviously, same day in the States is Spiral, uh, 14th. But obviously for us, cinemas, as of speaking right now, <laughs> are currently scheduled to open on the 17th of May. So that'll be when Spiral is out out um 
Then on the 21st of May, we have two releases. We have Army of the Dead on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, the new Zack Schneider zombie movie, and a movie called Sound of Violence, um, which is a really interesting looking movie that's coming on digital platforms, which um, we actually uh, are able to get a screener for this one. So hopefully we'll be able to cover this one very soon. Um, nice. And then also that movie Seance is out the same day as well. Um, oh, yeah. Simon Barrett's new movie, first time directing. Obviously, we watched the trailer and didn't like it, but it's still one that I want to check out at some point when it's not as busy um or at least hear what people think about it first because yeah i'm a big fan of simon i just the trailer did nothing for me mm. um then the week after that 28th of may is obviously a quiet place part two in cinemas Damn. um and then the week after that a little movie called the conjurer and the devil made me do it so that is nine movies over the next month, which I want to see them all in varying degrees. Um, so kind of as far as the podcast goes, I think our next five weeks are sorted. This can always change. But yeah, it's looking like we, we're going to be covering new movies for the for the time being. So yeah, next week we'll be talking about The Sound of Violence, which is lucky because it's kind of two weeks ahead of its release. Um, then we'll be on Netflix for The Woman in the Window. And then it's going to be all cinema. So yep, Spiral, Quiet Place Part 2 and The Conjuring. Um, mm. And then obviously, you know, in the middle of that, because i don't want it to get downplayed like army of the dead i am really excited for army of the dead yeah i'm i'm incredibly frustrated by this list i'm happy oh, it's, it's the release dates are so annoying the, isn't it the thing about it is i'm incredibly frustrated with netflix because i yeah. don't understand what the hell they're doing mm-hmm. they've let shudder absolutely dominate them in recent months when we're yeah. all stuck at home and able to watch stuff and it's almost like netflix have said do you know what you've you know you've we've got your money because you're stuck at home (laughs) so we've got your money but now they're like oh shit you're back at the cinema i need to keep you interested like and it's the exact opposite approach of what what i'd want them to do and it's really frustrating because i just you know the the we come back at the cinema i don't want to be worrying about army of the dead but i am proper pumped for that movie Mm. Um, yeah i'm really frustrated about this because yeah like any other week army of the dead coming about uh, coming out i'd be like hell yeah we're gonna see this because i'm, yeah, I'm totally six weeks <laughs> yeah like it is literally a case of when we're not at the cinema that'll be the number one movie we cover and it seems like oh we're not that fussed about it because we're probably going to get to it a few weeks after release but make no question in terms of like on-demand releases this is one of the ones i was most excited for i mean mm. i think jack schneider when he can just be as fully preposterous as he possibly can and especially make in a zombie movie i find that incredibly entertaining and yeah. i think him making a, a ridiculous high budget zombie movie set in las vegas with the likes of dave batista in it i'm gonna have a great time watching that yeah, movie or at least i hope so so yeah i, I don't want it to be downplayed just because we return to the cinema and we're seeing these movies that we've been excited for for well over a year you know most notably spiral and a quiet place part two that like yeah there's some on-demand stuff here as well like even woman in the window that was a movie that mm. i was really excited for as well so yes yeah, well, i mean both of them it really frustrates me that netflix mm. are just chucking them out then like it seems like we're going to be lucky and woman in the window because of our yeah, just ahead UK of time, cinemas yeah. opening we are going to see that but it's like i'm i'm so frustrated with army of the dead because you know even if even if the cinemas didn't have bangers would be wanting to go to the cinema anyway let alone mm. the fact that there is week after week you know we know that there's three weeks of like the highest level of hype we could have yeah um, so so yeah, it's it's frustrating, but you know, I I I don't want to moan too much because we've had no, a year no. of moaning about nothing, <laughs> and now we're being little bitches because we have too much. But it's just, I just think you know, it's not moaning; it's just saying what what was Netflix's plan? Like, yeah. you know, why not why not put it out there when things are 
quiet and and reward people instead of you know it feels like it's the other way mm. where they didn't reward us because they knew they had us and now they know now they're worried they're not going to have us they're trying to reward us yeah and i just you know it's the opposite approach of what disney and shudder have done yeah um you know and, and i think it is worth pointing that pointing that out about netflix because i'm like, quite frustrated by it yeah like you say it's a good problem to have as it stands right now yeah we should have five movies to look forward to over the next five weeks and then yeah army of the dead top of that list profile god knows when that mm. comes out but we will cover it and then we have oxygen which is a movie that looks cool as well to kind of fall back on and seance yeah. as well seance is an interesting one because i think that is kind of limited release and on demand and i think it mm. comes to shudder later this year so that's kind of a good one to be like okay we'll put it on the back burner and then maybe in like if it comes to shudder in october for example we'll cover it then so yeah, yeah I, i'm really excited like you say there's new movies coming out and also if the worst comes to worst and cinemas just don't reopen in this country because that is easily a possibility <laughs> yeah. then we can just watch army of the dead the week it comes out and i'll be True. happy to see it so <laughs> yeah. the, big, the bigger problem for us is there's that will local cinemas reopen for us yeah true yeah i don't want to have to travel four hours to <laughs> london to say, watch a film <laughs> the, the part of the world we're in uh who the hell knows <laughs> yeah it's uh, i am getting worried because i you know as of recording we are under two weeks away and like i'm expecting yeah, the kind of email blast yeah. to come out and there's yeah, been not nothing no complete radio silence the website's still dead it's like oh can someone at odian wake up please and make sure the lights are still on um but yeah new movies to talk about who would have thought it hey doing a new movie podcast that's what it's all about um no, but no. this week we need to talk about an old film which was new to me um shall we shall we do it let's do it let's talk about deadly blessing <laughs> So yeah, the, the third movie kind of in this most recent run ranking these movies, um, mm. a real interesting one because yeah, as I've said time and time again, haven't seen this one and I pretty much knew nothing about it. Um, nice. Picking up the the Arrow Blu-ray, obviously you can see you the cover. A spider. Yeah, there's a kind of very striking artwork with this almost like a demon face close up and mm. then a spider with some sort of, you know, tic-tac-toe on it yeah <laughs> i'm it, going into a woman's mouth kind of a little bit like the satanic panic one isn't it i think yeah it's a it's an interesting mm. cover it's very evocative of nightmare on elm street for me yeah, um that too, which yeah. I, which i think is very um on purpose due to arrow trying to market this film to be um, fair the original poster was as well yeah it is much. i can see that as well yeah, yeah and it's kind of this woman on a bed laying down with these like hands on her face and yeah and it won't be the last time we talk about it because there's so <laughs> much dna in this movie about nightmare on elm street it is kind of crazy yeah. um but yeah it's got obviously his third movie directed by wes craven um a screenplay by himself as well as uh glenn benest and matthew barr um mm -hmm. there really isn't too much in terms of the precursors to this movie looking at the wikipedia page there's almost nothing regarding you know there's no crazy censorship stories there's not really anything <laughs> about box office like it he didn't do that well yeah, it, it made 8 million, which is, I think, uh, Hills of Eyes made 25. So it's, you know, mm. considerably down in terms of box office from his previous movie. Um, and it's, you know, we'll, we'll get into what we think about this movie shortly after we go into the plot. But like reading about it here, you, you do get the sense of it being the kind of 
ugly stepchild of wes's filmography because there's just not much information about it when you think about when he made this movie coming off the back of last house on the left in the hills of eyes and then Mm. just before he obviously made another movie but yeah just Mm. before nightmare this is wes's first movie in the 80s the most seminal decade for horror and it's kind of like oh yeah he made that one like do you get that impression about this movie as well yeah well i think so i mean you know in terms of in terms of his kind of the the movies people talk about and you know there are obviously you know the scream nightmare on elm street you know last house on the left that are these seminal movies but then there are the hills of eyes that have got these big remake treatments and are these Mm. kind of you know um cult classics and then Deadly Blessing doesn't really sit in any of those. Like it's the you know there is a an extremely niche kind of area of people that 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 would you know that would give a cult classic status to Deadly Blessing. <laughs> and I think you know, and I think you know, I say that's not talking about our thoughts on the movie. It's no. just the general consensus. And I think um, you know, and I think that's kind of you know it is strange because in that moment you would have thought there'd be nothing but hype. And it, and it just shows why Wes had the problems running into Nightmare that he did. Mm. Because cause obviously, you know, coming off the, 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 the weird kind of two movies with this censorship problem and everything else, but they were very well received when they got in front of people mm. and made money mm. because ultimately that's all that matters. And um, suddenly he does this movie that doesn't have all of that friction behind it, comes out to cinemas with no censorship problems and doesn't perform yeah like you can see why people are now looking at wes and being like jesus christ what do we do with you when Mm. you're off the rails we can't get people to see the movie (laughs) when people can see the movie they don't really want to see the movie like you know uh, speaking of what was happening back then so you can see that this this movie was problematic for him in a lot of ways it does point to as well like because you know, people think you're kind of almost reminiscent or glorifying kind of the video nasty era and being like, mm. oh, yeah, they were these immediate hits. And people are saying, well, no, not really. But like it proves that back then, if you made something that got people talking, that was this shocking, disgusting movie that, you know, had people vomiting in the cinema and, you yeah. know, you know, uh, religious groups trying to close it down and all this stuff like that had an impact at the time in the 70s. It's not mm. us looking back on it 40 years later and going, wow, what an impact it had an impact right then and there um in terms of in terms of box office and making money because like you say this is as easy a release as he had had at this point in his career and it resulted in a very lukewarm tepid response uh financially um yeah but yeah what what so what should we just go into plot and then we'll get into yeah i mean i think i think one of the most notable things about this movie as well is that you know we've spoken about kind of last house and, and hills of eyes and kind of how there really are people that that have you know, almost been in nothing else. You look at, mm. you look at, um, Hills of, uh, Last House on the Left and like, you know, all of that gang were pretty much in nothing pre and post. It was like almost like their only credits bar than a few tiny little things. Mm. Um, but Wes has actually gone on to like make a career and make a, make stars out of people, you know, and kind of, you know, the most notable one that, that people always talk about is Johnny Depp. the fact that he kind of debuted in nightmare on elm street well deadly blessing has a banger as well yeah it does Uh, yeah which i have no idea about yeah this movie stars sharon stone in pretty much her first ever role like i think 
I think she's only been in. I think she was only in like maybe TV in a couple of shorts or something. I think, I think they said it was her first film. major speaking role. I think she oh, was kind of like she was an uncredited person in a movie or something. Yeah, she was like a beautiful girl on a train or something. And so then, like yeah, the production go. company I've for this got... was like, oh, we've got that. You know that beautiful girl from yeah. that film. We've got her pretty, in this movie. Pretty girl on train and girl with Glenn Senior in <laughs> right. two other roles until Deadly Birth. So this is this is her debut. Yeah, you know and. um so yeah, it's crazy to think that Sharon Stone is in this Wes Craven movie. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess kind of going into going into this movie. Um, so it's it's Martha, isn't it, our lead? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot. Of, of ca- there's a lot of characters in this film. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, um, so um, Martha and her husband John are kind of nope, they're living Jim. in jim damn it <laughs> Wait, <laughs> too many characters this is oh no there is a john as well wait is there, I a thought there was a john there's a john and a jim yeah who's john i don't know who's jim mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh john's john's the brother that's with the cult so uh, oh yeah jim, okay yeah, yep. yeah. um we're, we're back we're back mm-hmm. so um i've definitely yeah. seen this film so Jim, me too. So Jim and Martha, <laughs> we haven't even got to the plot yet. We've only got to two characters' <laughs> names. I don't know if we have seen it, bro. Um, yeah, they um, are living in this farm that the neighbors kind of this um, religious community called the Hettites. Hmm. Um, they're kind of like a Amish kind of group, aren't they? Yeah, a more extreme um, version of Amish. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, uh, within the Hittites, we have kind of uh, John and oh, who's the leader? I can't think what the leader's called now. Uh, is it Isaiah? Isaiah, I think yeah. it's Isaiah. And then we have uh, William, played by <laughs> Michael Berryman as well. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to him. And yeah, so you've got this kind of overly religious cult, and kind of very early on, we get to see that they're kind of causing problems because they want everyone to be like them and live like them, and they have a problem with anyone that's kind of embracing the modern world um and we find out that um uh we, we settled on jim right uh jim yeah. was uh a, was part of this cult and kind of when he met martha he um left them and kind of uh to really punch him in the face then moves into a farmhouse next door to them everyone um, lives so goddamn close i know i know i'm just like move the fuck away mm. like this, it, it solves so many problems, but um, that happens even more and, later on as well. <laughs> yeah, and we we get to see them clashing. We get to see kind of the 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 cult kind of clashing with other farms and other kind of families. Um, and then very early on, kind of the first night that we 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 join this movie, um, Jim dies in a quote unquote accident with mm. his tractor backing over him. Um, and kind of the rest of the movie is kind of Martha kind of uh, joined by two friends who it's kind of weird because the dynamic between the three of them. So we have Martha, Lana played by Sharon Stone and Vicky. Mm. And the, like, I initially was like, are they sisters? Yeah. And I was like, are two of them sisters? Are any of them related? I, no, I think they're all just friends because Vicky very much is like mother hen. And Lana is very kind of, you know, childlike and kind of, um, you know, mothered by the other two, in particular Vicky. And so it's a really weird kind of friendship dynamic the three of them have. 
Um, it's weird that they're just kind of like staying there indefinitely. It seems like yeah. as well. So they visit Martha to, even though Martha didn't want them to, they visit her because of Jim's death. And then they, mm. yeah, they basically just move in, and it's the three of them living in this house, dealing with the the religious cult, but also kind of this ominous kind of character as to what happened to Jim, what caused his death. It's very clear from the opening mm. scene that it's not an accident, and kind of you know. Is it the cult? Is it someone else? What's going on? What is the evil? Um, yeah. And and yeah, I guess I guess that's kind of pretty much the synopsis of the movie. Yeah, definitely. Like it's there's so many characters, so there's, there's mm. no point even trying to get into them individually because there's so much going on, and it's it's a real bizarre movie. I think you mm. know, getting into our thoughts on it, like when i sat down to watch this movie i picked up this arrow blu-ray and mm-hmm. i was like okay awesome you know i've got a new for me wes craven movie made in the 80s mm-hmm. another amazing arrow restoration much like the last two and sat down on a saturday night and i was like this is about as hype as it gets for me watching an old film <laughs> you know because yeah. like it's everything was there you know and i'm like how yeah. many times in my life am i going to get to experience yeah, this exactly. like We're, not yeah, wes craven's not romero like this is no. it like his filmography is it yeah so it's kind of like and and there is a few more obviously that i haven't seen mm. but again like where this is in the in the filmography especially coming off of his two previous movies i was so jazzed to sit down and watch this and i think my and so i guess the other thing worth mentioning before i go into my thoughts is like putting in the blu-ray and hitting play mm. i am greeted with a, with an intro by michael berryman yeah. um where i was like <laughs> I okay so michael berryman's in this movie which to be fair was fine because he's pops up within the first minute of the movie anyway it's not like he's a final act reveal so it wasn't yeah. a spoiler for me yeah but i was like oh that's funny that you know michael's in especially how much we talked about him during our hills yeah. of ice conversation being big fans of him and want to see him and more i was like that's funny um so you get this weird intro with michael where he calls the net movie deadly blessings and <laughs> i was like okay and then you sat down to watch the film and my biggest surprise having watched it is that the last thing i expected to be was bored um i expected i didn't really know what i expected but i did not expect to be bored because i thought if this is like terrible it's interesting if this is really good i'm gonna have a great time um you know all the different layers when you watch a movie for the first time Mm. but i think watching a movie with all the hype that i had going in and what preceded it and it being a wes movie with michael with all these elements i was stunned by how bored i was watching this film um Mm. there is so much drivel and just complete and utter waste of time i think this is a this is a movie about moments and a movie about sequences which if you look at them in a vacuum some of them are pretty great um and there are moments in this movie that are awesome and there are moments where you can clearly see the through line of what was to come for wes both before and after and I think that's great. And from a kind of historian point of view, like I'm glad I've seen this movie. Um, but in terms of watching it, I, yeah, I was stunned by how bored I was and I never expected to be 45 minutes into this movie and be like, Oh my God, I'm barely halfway. Like, let's get this going. And yeah, getting into why I was actually bored. Like it's just, it's so slow. Once you get over that initial setup of like, okay, here's this weird religious thing that may or may not be weird. And then here's kind of like this woman who she's like pregnant. Isn't she Martha? Um, <laughs> she is. And so like, never really like Jim has just announced it to the, 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 the yeah. friend. No, 
yeah it's not important um but so kind of like okay he's died and then you're like okay you're gonna deal with that and then the next like 45 minutes of the movie it's just very slow it's different interactions with numerous characters you know there's about 12 to 15 named characters that all live on this one farm whole thing just felt such like a soap opera in terms of like this kind of like faux drama and that's Mm. kind of what the whole movie was about and it was it kind of blew me away how it was basically a film about relationships it was a film about desires and a film about um this person's in love with this person but they feel jilted by this person and especially when you get into the final act of what this movie is about and why jim died um not that we're like skirting around spoilers or anything but kind of like the actual reveals of like why jim was killed is is so it is a soap opera it's like absolutely farcical <laughs> of like secret lovers and desire and then you get this whole other sub story involving vicky and her yeah, falling strange falling in love with one of these hittites and him getting to do Donald things he, yeah him getting to do things like go to the cinema and drive a car and i was just like i was so confused watching this movie i was trying to get a sense of like what was he going for here and you can you can get like i can see the the kind of where the overall broad appeal of this movie was you know of like let's try and portray a subsector of culture a kind of you know their take on amish that clearly isn't amish but it's you know a a made-up fabricated um religious community and kind of like on the fringe of society and how might Mm. they be different and what kind of things from modern society would they want to take and it's you can do that of course well but it's just it's just not portrayed well and it's portrayed in this weird faux so proper and the a lot of the acting is very so proper over the top um i don't even think it's necessarily bad it's just like the tone of the movie does not feel like a, an 80s horror film at all um it felt like an old soap opera um mm. so yeah there's a lot more to get into but yeah overall i was kind of ultimately very disappointed um but overall my main feeling was i couldn't believe how bored i was by this movie um what, so you have you you've seen this movie before right yeah so it's kind of hilarious kind of hearing you talk because it was pretty much word for word my experience the first time i watched it <laughs> right in the you know, holding this Arrow Blu-ray release and you're like, hell yeah, where's Craven movie? Then then the Michael Berryman stuff just got me even more pumped at the start. <laughs> and then when the movie starts, two things struck me is that this Arrow restoration is poor. Yeah, I wanted um, to get into that. Yeah. It's, it's only a 1080p restoration, which... It, but but even that it doesn't feel like it it, it does it's, not it's, look good it's no it's 720 uh, the best and it's just very grainy and just doesn't look good and especially after watching the two very recently that mm. are fantastic like this is just clearly them being like no one really wants this movie i don't think but we'll shove it out and see what happens because it's fairly feature light as well and just yeah. everything um no, I'm glad you, we may as well talk about it now because yeah like the the actual blu-ray itself is not a good blu-ray like you say it's no. very bog standard the restoration sucks there's um one commentary with wes but then there is yeah basically two interviews one with wes which is like 10 minutes long and then one with michael which is about 20 25 minutes mm. long where he talks mostly about other films that aren't deadly blessing um so yeah overall this is like a real poor release from our like you say especially come off the back of the last two where they absolutely nailed it with with the previous two films yeah definitely um yeah and so i kind of was the exact same way when i watched it the first time in the um you know it it disappointed me 
Um, mm. Having kind of like, you know, now I'm watching it for the second time and I kind of know that this is not, you know, this is not this absolutely phenomenal gem from Wes Craven. I kind of watched it with a different lens that, that I, I enjoyed like the first kind of hour of this quite a bit. Just mm. just seeing these character developments and seeing all these different people, um, you know, it, it, it's a strange movie because Wes clearly hired the most attractive women he could possibly find for every given <laughs> yeah. role. Um, he he does. And, I don't know. Did you see the Wes interview on the Blu-ray? I, I didn't watch it. No. He did talk about how the one thing he looks back on where he was like, basically, that was a directive from the producers of like, mm. we have hired beautiful women. They're going to have three beautiful leads. And he was going like, why do they just sit in their house in lingerie know, when they're like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a strong reason why I enjoyed the first hour so much. Um, <laughs> but cause, cause they are just like, yeah, the, the, like who dresses like that just to like yeah. sit and have breakfast. And the, they like it the whole time. Like basically Sharon Stone never gets out of nightwear for the entire movie. Yeah. Once, once she turns up and gets in the house, she's like, I'm just going to wear my, my sexy silk uh, nightwear for the rest of the movie now. Yeah, um, and that is how they exist as characters. It is yeah. just has these beautiful women living in a house together, and you start to but, forget, like, oh wait, this woman's pregnant and she's mourning the death of her husband, and exactly. there's weird shit going on with this cult. Like, all of yeah. it is so irrelevant to what's going on. Mind. I forgot all of that. <laughs> um, it was clearly then, their intention. Yeah, but then you've got even like the secondary characters. You've got like the daughter, who you know, and the we, later on in the movie we get the the girl who's in the cult who yeah. which is you know her like jim's arc, partner she, yeah jim's partner or john's john's partner <laughs> <laughs> um john's partner when she kind of like kicks off and that but like they're 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 both gorgeous as well like yeah female in this. And it's it just, is funny it's very hilarious um also just before i go into my overall thoughts as well you know the cult girl um did you recognize her at all uh what what um john's like partner yeah no she she will appear in a wes craven movie that we'll we'll get to soonish all right <laughs> which She's character in... is she? was she was she faith or louisa um louisa isn't she right. no not louisa she's neither because faith faith and louisa are the mum and daughter she's oh, like melissa yeah. or something right oh yeah yeah she's she's in hills of eyes part two. Oh, nice <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty awesome um but yeah, um, like I, I enjoyed kind of like, you, you know, the opening of the movie, meeting these, uh, what are they called? Hittites? I forgot already. Yeah, Hittites. Yeah, meet, yeah. Meeting the Hittites, kind of getting that character, seeing seeing kind of John or Jim die. Um, and then kind of um, moving on. And again, I'm going to go into some spoilers here, kind of. Yeah, um, I think what what Wes did a few times, which was really good in this, was was gave me the jump scare when I wasn't expecting it at all. And it, it genuinely made me jump a couple of times. So Michael Berryman, when he's kind of um, looking through the window and kind of like, it's all geared towards, you know, Michael Berryman is the big red herring in the first kind of 25 minutes of this movie. Yeah. Where he's just, he's like just doing terrible shit to every character and doing shady shit. And then he's literally spying on our lead character, Martha, while she's getting dressed. And it's a real tense scene and you kind of, you know, Michael Berryman being this true, you know, creepy guy. And then he just gets just taken out, just absolutely taken out. And I and like 
having seen this movie like a year ago, I completely forgot that that's when it happened <laughs> and it got me. Like yeah. it was a proper good moment. Um, and like later on, it was a small moment where there was where Martha was going into her bedroom and there was like a scarecrow that was basically rigged in her room to pop out. At her. Yeah. And even that, like the, the timing of it was not when I expected the jump scare. And it's like, it's the opposite of what we've got in modern horror, where modern horror draws it out, draws it out, draws it out, draws it out. You think it's going to happen. Then it happens. With Wes in these two instances, it happens before I even thought it was going to happen. Yeah, so I, I love had those no ones. tension, and it made me shit my <clears throat> pants. And like both times, it got me. And like yeah. so, I had a really good time with those two bits. I do agree that you know, like I say, if I wasn't looking at these these really attractive women talk, it would have been very long and boring. I think you know, it, it got more of a pass for that reason. Um, but it is it is long and, and boring kind of parts of it and especially when you do get into vicky and kind of um you know uh, uh vicky and john i need to stop joking about the names um <laughs> vicky and john and you get their whole relationship i i enjoyed it but it's kind of like it's so secondary and non-important it is so soap opera where mm. it's like oh we've got these other characters doing stuff we've got we've got kind of um you know, just all this weird stuff going on. Um, obviously, like Sharon Stone's character, kind of, she just kind of like gets traumatized by finding Michael Berryman, and then she's got this weird kind of these dreamlike sequences and mm. these weird kind of um, bits in the barn house. And again, when she was in the barn house and she was kind of being trapped in there and everything else, I I thought that was a super tense scene as well. But they're just all kind of there are all these moments, like you say, that are chucked in and it's not cohesive because did I, you know, did I enjoy seeing kind of John and, and, and Vicky and kind of them going on this date and him driving and kind of him breaking out of that religious mold? Yeah, I did. You know, did I enjoy it in a horror? Should it be in a horror movie? No, you know, and it, and, it, and it's stuff like that where I'm like, okay, I enjoyed a lot of kind of like, what happened but none of it was great for a horror movie and all it did was add to length and then kind of you know when we got to the ending you know i i kind of you know i enjoyed it and and like i say when i when i come out of this second time round, i i felt a lot better about it um you know because i didn't have the 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 expectation of a wes craven 1980s horror movie in my mind i had the expectation of a movie that i was quite bored by when i watched it and so yeah i came out of the second time round a lot more positive um but still you know you know when we start to talk about the work of wes craven you know you can see why this movie isn't one that is talked about very often oh yeah for sure um yeah there was a couple of things that you said i want to pick up on yeah the, like the the fact that this cast is so good looking and especially you know it's the, it's both the men and the women like the yeah. um the guy at the star and then the the other guy who's like in the hittites John. look like these yeah. kind of male models and then like the women are all beautiful as well and i think that goes into again what i was saying about it does feel like a soap opera of like mm. that's soap operas are they hire you know attractive actors who aren't necessarily the best actors because that's what people want to see on tv especially back in the day so yeah, yeah. like i do think that is an interesting aspect of this movie because yeah it doesn't feel like a film cast especially his previous two movies where everyone especially you know in the last title on the left everyone was so perfectly cast in that movie yeah. um, whereas this just felt like it wasn't even you know it was purely the production company being like we've hired the, the best eight looking people we could hire so that so there's your actors yeah. um 
so that's interesting but then the other thing you're talking about um michael being the the kind of red heron at the start of the movie like mm. it's interesting what they're going for because yeah so we have jim he dies and then obviously so michael berryman's character is basically abusing the women and shouting at them calling them like incubuses or incubus, yeah, and, yeah and kind of like they're, so they're portraying all this different <clears throat> satanic stuff and you kind of think okay what's going on here then when he gets murdered you think okay it might just be more of like a human type threat um but then the the rest of the hittites kind of go behind that of like oh no they killed him because he knew the truth and so Mm. like kind of they're still portraying that throughout the whole movie and then especially when you get in these weird dreams um you you start to feel like okay is something up with these women and then ultimately you know it is all you know it's all these false flags because ultimately what the film is about is that faith is actually a man and she's in love with Martha, uh, which is like, again, I hate to keep saying the same point, but that is such a soap opera thing of like, oh my God, your female next door neighbor is actually a man and she's in love with you. Like, it's so farcical that that's what this movie is actually about. It, and then, it was then outrageous. Like, it, the reveal is so outrageous. I know. I had to rewind it because I was like, wait, is that a reveal? It's so bizarre. And then kind of, so then you get the, the outcome of that of like, okay, that's already ridiculous. And apparently there was no, you know, sucky buses or whatever. And then we get the final scene which is like one of the most mental scenes in any film i've ever seen where like a literal demon slash the devil bursts out of the ground and pulls martha through the floor and it's the effects look unbelievably atrocious um they show this to to the point that they're fantastic i'm not gonna lie like i want to see like full hd images of this costume or whatever it was because they do the absolute best job this this room is pitch black there is smoke everywhere (laughs) they show you probably half a frame of this thing yet it still looks terrible (laughs) like it was unbelievable how this movie ended so yeah it's it's a real weird one. I think watching this, you have to take the context of what it is. And that's the thing I'm most blown away by is that it really doesn't feel like a Wes movie outside of these few moments, which I think we should talk about because I think, I think as well, if this had been his first movie, yeah, that's you what could I mean. See, you could see that then he built on that to last house and mm. those of eyes. Whereas, you know, this, this is a significant step back from those two movies. Yeah, violence-wise, this is a very tame movie. There are a couple of scenes of of a little bit of blood, but like compared to the kind of visceral nature of his two previous movies, it's Mm -hmm. so tame. And I would love, like, I don't even know what the rating was when this came out, but it's a very tame movie. Um, But I think, yeah, like the the kind of the bathtub sequence, which I want to talk about, is obviously fascinating because it's like he he essentially remade that sequence in a nightmare on elm street which Mm. then became one of the most iconic scenes in horror history but in this movie it's awesome i absolutely love this sequence it was by far my favorite part of the whole movie because it was so drawn out it was like you have the iconic shot of her in the bathtub with the legs open and then kind of the door opens you're like okay what's gonna happen and then you Mm. get that snake reveal but it goes on and on the snake slowly enters the the water then it kind of goes up the side yeah. and and then she kind she of reaches for it and out. grabs the yeah. soap like they did such a good job like the tension because in nightmare on elm street to my knowledge it's over pretty quickly that sequence yeah, it's, it's kind of like she's in bath the glove comes up jump scare over so it's a well, pretty quick scene not, not to kind of directly compare quite the quickly yeah like it's yeah you know, it's two very different things and it's kind of like you say it's just incredible that he did the two two things and it's almost like you know because it is it is 
you know one of the standout scenes in this movie and you you almost feel like Wes kind of walked away from this movie thinking well shit that was so good and people didn't appreciate it fuck it i'm just going to keep putting into a movie until i Mm. come up with a banger (laughs) and then then people are going to like really gravitate towards this because it's you know it's it's crazy how similar the two scenes are um and well, yeah, it's true because this this scene is better than anything in the film, and so it, it made sense for him to be like, "Well, I need to take this," and especially, and then there's like multiple dream sequences, mm. like the the stuff with the spider with Sharon Stone. It is so Nightmare on Elm Street with yeah. this kind of creepy sequence, and then also like the fact that we do have these kind of like um, Martha being this female lead. It very much feels reminiscent of Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, again, comparing it directly to the two previous movies, they were so mm. different in terms of who you were aligned with. You know, last time left you're introduced to the two young females but then once they're murdered by the gang you're then with the family and then obviously hills of eyes is like a much vaster cast whereas this movie is centered basically around one woman Mm -hmm. who has gone through trauma and is trying to get help and trying to deal with what's going on in the situation and that's very similar to nightmare on elm street like you said if this was his first movie then he did nightmare on elm street it would Mm. it would make a lot of sense it's just it's just the timing of it all is is so bizarre and I kind of wonder if it is almost like, you know, um, his first dabble with actual Hollywood. Mm. Because because Last House and the Hills of Eyes were pretty much just like, oh, you want to write a movie? Write us a script and we'll give you we'll give you kind of enough money to make it. And Hills of Eyes was like, oh, we want to do something in the desert. Could you write us a script? And then he had like, you know, all this freedom. Whereas I wonder with this, whether it was like, right, you're at a studio, you're Wes Craven here's your actors you can work with this guy to get a script but you've got to do this and all, almost like what happened with rob you know when you kind of have to work with these companies and you've you you haven't quite figured out how to deal with that side of hollywood yet um and i, I wonder if it's something like that where you know like i say not to apologize for it or anything but just like you, you wonder what had caused this this change mm. and and i wonder if it is that that he kind of had to deal with these things for the first time the fact that it kind of just breezed through the, the ratings board and stuff was that you know you know was, was he kind of tethered to what he could do um and then then it kind of showed that because it didn't perform he was kind of off the reins again for the next movies yeah definitely another thing i think as well is definitely noticeable in terms of his progression as a director or filmmaker at this time is like this is a way more bigger scope movie than his Mm. previous two movies especially story like i don't like a lot of it but there's a lot going on here there's a lot of characters that are pretty fully fleshed out there is like a a universe that he's created with these characters with side stories Mm. that's not remotely the case with the two other movies we just watched yeah it's purely about one event that happens and the consequences of said event in both this whole this whole kind of religious cult i thought was really fascinating I, i i wish they were more of the focus and then like because what you said is true they come they they become more of the focus in the second half of the film Mm. but but by that point they've kind of lost me i wish they'd have gone more with them early on yeah yeah definitely um you know because i think you know they were super interesting and a lot of things were but it's just yeah it was just the way it was put together really that it needed it just needed a uh, you know i think it just needed a bit more in the script really Mm. you know i think obviously we know wes's quality I think, you know, the cast and everything he had, you know, obviously we talked about the, the way they all looked, but, you know, not, none of them none of them were outrageously terrible to me. Like, it's no. just that, you know, they didn't have a lot to go with, um, you know, and, and yeah, it's, it is a strange one when we look back at it. It's a very weird one. Um, so, yeah, I think going into the kind of the rankings now, um, 
It's going to be pretty interesting. So um, our rankings as of right now, which, yeah, we do have some unfinished business regarding a movie called Scream 2, which we'll get to <laughs> shortly. Um, but as of right now, um, we have Scream, we have Scream 4, we have Scream 2, then we have The Hills of Eyes, The Last House on the Left, and Scream 3. Um, so this is a, the easiest one by far for me. Um, I'm not even going to pretend that this is going to go any higher than the, the bottom of the list for me. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it like you say, there is definitely redeemable qualities. And I think as a filmmaker, it's fascinating as a huge Nightmare on Elm Street fan, just purely for that of like, you yeah. almost do have to take this as the context for that film. Um, I really in terms wish of... that uh, there's an interview where they, they talk about those two scenes and why he mm. repeated it. I really would like to hear Wes talk about why he used it again and, and yeah. how it works so much the second time, even though the first time it was so good. Yeah, that's an interesting point because he doesn't obviously talk about like Nightmare at all on when he talks mm. about Deadly Blessing on here. And it's like, well, they're not, they're probably not going to bring it up on any of the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. But having said that, there is such in depth stuff. Like you think at some yeah, point someone, someone would have said on camera, him, yeah. yeah, would have said it. But um, yeah, as terms as, in terms of an enjoyable movie that I'd watch, Scream 3 has its problems, as we've discussed. And it's definitely the worst Scream movie, but I'd still watch it way before I'd watch Deadly Blessing ever again. Yeah, there's there's no way I I can argue this one any higher than that. Um, like I say, I think it'll be more interesting to see when we're all set and done. Mm. You know, will, will there because because I I didn't dislike this movie. You know, um, no, I didn't hate it. I was just second, unbelievably bored. Yeah, and I think like like I said, I think I would have been very different if I'd have seen this for the first time. Mm. But having rewatched this, you know. Um, you know, I, I know that we've got Swamp Thing coming up, and I've never seen that, and I'm like pretty excited to watch that. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that could be that could be bad. Whereas, you know, because <laughs> of this, I knew I knew going in that I'd watched this last year for the first time, and was kind of like you know met on it, and I'm I'm way higher now. It is interesting because, like, yeah, me watching Last House on the Left a few years ago, I had I didn't like it as much as mm. the recent rewatch. So it is it is interesting how much it varies from watch to watch. Yeah, um, with these it, films. It, this one definitely did go because I was dreading having to watch this because I was really bored <laughs> the first time I watched it. And I actually had a pretty good time this time. Right. Yeah. I got about an hour in, like I said, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. But, um, but it's definitely yeah, but bottom talk, for now. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Um, yeah. A lot of controversy when, surrounding Scream Two. Last time we did this list, yeah, I'm not happy. No, I need I need Hills of Eyes higher on the list. I believe. I, I think I I need Last House higher as well. So I think there's ultimately only one thing we can do here. Um, yeah, which I think is the right thing to do. And again, you know, this can change. Um, but I think as of right now, with these with these recent rewatches, um, and I think having what we said was true i love scream 2 if i'm watching all the screams i have a great time but it's it's considerably the third best scream film you yeah. know i i would never argue in a million years that it's even on the same level as scream 1 or scream 4 no. um and for that reason alone being that by far the third best entry in the franchise i think the originality of the hills of eyes um and the last house on the left deserves to be above it on this list for yeah. now I agree. Um, I agree. We'll see how we feel week to week, but let's let's have a week where where it's there. <laughs> next, well, not week, but next time we revisit this, which yeah, might it's gonna be, be a, quite it's gonna some be a while, time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll have had time to fester on it. When you mm. say those films to me, uh, you know, in in the next review, I'll see how I feel then. But I feel good about that decision right now. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is going to be ongoing for like, you know, potentially the next year. So because we have, I think, about another 12 movies to add to this list. Um, and obviously, yeah, as new movies come out, that's always going to be the focus. But I would always like to get in at least one of these a month. Um, so in obviously when it's quiet, we'll do more like we have recently. But uh, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. And yeah, for now, the list is obviously still screen dominated because we started with the screen movies, <laughs> um, which, yeah, I, mean, I cannot wait to see. That's the thing looking at the list now of like where are these screen movies going to end up when there's 19 films on this list mm. rather than seven um because there's still more scream than non-scream right now yeah. um oh, but it's yeah. gonna get it's gonna get heated like it's gonna get rough like <laughs> yes when we start watching nightmare movies um, <laughs> you know that's that's it's gonna get crazy for sure um but yeah the list at the minute is scream at number one scream four at number two the hills of eyes at number three the last house on the left at number four scream two at number five way ahead of scream three at number six and deadly blessing at number seven so yeah, and like I say, Swamp Thing will be next up whenever we get round to it. And neither of us have seen this film. Um, both of us have picked up the nice looking Blu-ray of it. Um, mm. And I'm eager to watch it. But yeah, when we will get to do that, time will tell on that one. But it's going to be a yeah, fun one. strange looking movie. Because there isn't, so off the top of my head, I'm trying to think what other ones. I haven't seen Deadly Friend. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Serpent and the Rainbow. Have you seen either of those films? No shocker have you seen that i've seen shocker yeah and then um uh vampire in brooklyn yeah i haven't seen that so yeah there is still a few that we that either neither of us have seen seen or any one of us have seen so Mm. um what's interesting as well these blu-rays deadly friend doesn't have a blu-ray um Mm -hmm. and then most uh, vampire in brooklyn doesn't have a blu-ray either but then the two movies he released in was it 2005 with cursed and red eye Mm. neither of them have blu-rays really that's crazy which red eye not having a blu-ray is disgusting like it's so infuriating you're like apparently there are hd streams available of it but yeah it only came out on dvd because obviously that was that weird time like just before blu-ray was kind of like getting well known so yeah that's gonna suck because i really wish that movie had a blu-ray but uh maybe by the time we get to it in six months it will (laughs) please someone release red eye and cursed (laughs) six months you're optimistic bro yeah i was gonna say it's gonna be way longer than six months red eye is like one of the last films right it's like like my soul to take take and then scream well no done scream yeah Yeah, that's what i mean yeah um yeah it's gonna be interesting man it's a fun list fun times um i'm having a good time with it i'm not gonna lie it's like in, in a world where if we get super busy, I'm going to be like, oh, man, I really want to start watching Wes movies again. We don't have to just stick out to a week. But yeah, it's yeah. it's it's fun times. Um, but yeah, that was our discussion of Deadly Blessing. We'll take a short break. Oh, no, wait, I'm going to cut out. I'm going to cut out the uh, the intro, the outro there. because we did Ooh, have a question. I'm excited. But regarding Wes Craven stuff. So I want to hear like a record skip. <laughs> I need to insert a record <laughs> skip noise, please. <laughs> so uh, we have a question from Cody uh, regarding the Wes Craven stuff who says, mm. um, Dear Super Horror Brozillas, um, I recently watched the Blu-ray of Last House on the Left and I got to tell you, it did not date well. Um, however, I can understand why there was much controversy with the film. Some of the parts were pretty gruesome, others laughable, um, definitely the chicken scene. Um, but the 
movie has a special place in my love of horror. Um, now for my question. I'm a couple of episodes behind, but would you recommend watching the remake of this film? Um, obviously, we didn't get a chance to talk about it on either of the two previous films, mm. but both Last House on the Left and The Hills of Eyes have had remakes. Um, not that it really affects those conversations, but I think it's interesting to bring up. Um, I've never seen the remake of Last House on the Left. Um, have you seen it? I have. Um <laughs> Because I know a lot got, of people seem to enjoy it, but I've never seen it. Well, I've seen got, the Hill remake hundreds of it's times. It's got a fairly hilarious cast as well. Yeah. It's got Alan Paul in it. Right, yeah. Um, like, pre-Breaking Bad. Mm. And um, it's got another guy that was in a load of TV shows. Most notably for me, he was in the Terminator uh, TV series. And right. Ra- Raising Hope. And he's, like, the Krug character. Right. Um, interesting because that and, came out during that that wave didn't it of like his yeah, like all these classic films, something yeah. like that and um uh, i i remember i remember at the time like watching it thinking it was good a, a good remake but never having the the urge like like we said before like last house on the left is a movie that you want to visit very infrequently mm. i want to i want to visit remakes of movies infrequently as well so, you know, those two combined has led to me never rewatching that movie. Yeah. Um, because I just kind of thought, you know, the, the thing that we said about The Hills of um, The Last S on the Left was its originality. And that movie in the 70s, and like, like what kind of Cody touches upon, that even if, even if he's not seen it, it holds up, like it's still like crazy and, and has that special place. The, the remake just has none of that because, you know, because it's a remake um so yeah i've never bothered to go back to revisit it um Mm. but yeah i remember when i watched it like not being offended by it if that helps i always wanted to watch it because yeah hills of eyes remake i've seen loads of times i've gone my opinion on the movie has varied so much over the years (laughs) i I adored the movie when i saw it in the cinema and was like in love with it as Mm. more rewatches have gone on i've liked it less and less so i haven't watched it for probably six to seven years because it just it kept going down in my estimation every (laughs) time i rewatched it um but and with this movie like i remember hearing great things i remember hearing that it was still as gruesome and as violent Mm. which was surprising but also that i know it wasn't like a straight remake i not to get into it but i know they they changed the story names and stuff yeah yeah they do so Um, like i liked that that they kind of they flipped on its head what actually happened in the original in some interesting ways so yeah because i won't go into what they change but they, mm. they do flip it quite a bit and, and change things and and i like yeah like i said i enjoyed it it's just i think the problem is is that like i said it, it loses even if it does you know it it does flip things but the originality of that first movie at its core is still there mm. and kind of like i say i i don't want to watch that on a weekly basis no. and so i've just never gone back to it because the original's there as well and i kind of um like with, with the original the the characters are so strong and i think i think that was why these you know the the two guys that i spoke about are too recognizable to mm. me obviously aaron paul's recognizable to most people but the character that played krug was quite recognizable to me and he was playing a comedy character in a tv show yeah and it was like you know um just a little bit too strange yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, it's stick to the original. 
Yeah, it's worth mentioning, like I say, they, they won't dominate these conversations, obviously, because we're talking about Wes's movies, mm. but he has had a, an insane amount of remakes that have varied yeah. very much in quality, and it seems like Last House is probably one of the ones that is re- has been received the best mm. um, out of all of them, because, yeah, certainly ones like Nightmare on Elm Street are just an absolute abomination <sighs> that you should never watch, whereas mm. this seems like I know people that have jo- enjoyed it. Um, I just never Oh, yeah, like if, you, if, you're, if you're ready to watch Last House again and you've seen the original recently, the sticking on the remake is fine. You know, yeah, it's just sure. like I said, you know, because like with Cody, it seems like he's not watching it on a regular basis. Mm. Um, and it is it is one of those things where, you know, then and, and, and it is funny because every time, like we both said, every time we watch Last House, our opinions do change on it. And I think yeah. it really does depend on what frame of mind you're in when watching it, because it isn't a normal horror movie. Yeah, you know, sure. you could stick on scream at any given moment and I'm going to mm. have a blast. Um, you know, if, if anyone is nearby, I don't want last house on the left on my TV. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I want to burn my copy of the Blu-ray immediately. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah exactly. Just I know it's, it a, it's a wild movie. That's why it was th- one of the hardest ones to rank on this list. And it's mm. just like, cause yeah, I'll watch scream Two way more than I'll watch last house on the left, but it's yeah. just, it's difficult when you're ranking like your enjoyment and your favorites and all yeah. the stuff that goes into this list of like what's the most important for Wes's career and everything that goes into it. Mm. It's very, very difficult. Um, Definitely. But yeah, thank you very much for that one, Cody. Um, now we would take a short break and we will be right back. So yeah, just to kind of finish us off this week, um, I did watch a movie that I teased last week mm-hmm. um, that I've been desperate to talk about. Um, another old movie, another Arrow release, um, mm-hmm. which is also released in 1981, funny enough, like Deadly yeah. Blessing. But I enjoyed probably infinitely more than Deadly Blessing um, <laughs> is a movie called, you may have heard of it, um, American Werewolf in London. Mm, can't say I have. <laughs> so this is a weird one in terms of like had i seen it before because i don't it's similar with like other movies it became you more... you watched a lot of these movies through proxy of just coming into my room and and seeing them when you were quite young really didn't you? yeah so a lot like... of them it's a lot of that it's a lot of you know obviously i've seen the documentary in search of darkness where Mm. they talked about it so i've seen the iconic sequences you know i've seen the transformation sequence dozens of times yeah and you know you get a sense of these movies similar to when i uh, watched the lost boys for the first time last year like Mm. i'd never watched the lost boys i'd seen enough imagery and quotes and clips that i knew the general gist of the film Mm. um but it was still great to sit down and watch it and so this is similar to that but yeah actually sitting down to watch it is such a better experience than i could have possibly imagined yeah because from from the second it starts and they're kind of in the moors of england these two americans just completely lost and they go into the oh, pub. That pub scene like oh because it's it's, it's it's you know this movie is 1981 like you say mm. it it every pub scene in a, in a horror movie that there's this kind of awkward thing pretty much spans from this like is there yeah. one that predates this well no because the, the thing is i'd always thought in my mind oh man i love these 
crazy movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but what if it was in England? And mm. the intro to this movie, the movie goes off in a completely different direction after the intro, which we'll get into. But like, that's what this movie is. It's two Americans lost in the moors in England. And we've been there so many times ourselves. Oh, and no. we know what it's like. And it is a crazy part of the country. And mm. yeah, to stumble into this pub, the way they look and the way they talk, all their accents are just perfect. Like, I don't know how these people speak this British. It's unbelievable. Um, the darts player, and he's I never miss the board and all this stuff. Like there are so <laughs> many amazing quotes in this movie the from the second so it starts. And then it goes mental because they get attacked by the werewolf, all the beware the moon stuff. I just fucking love so much. And then he wakes up in a hospital in London <laughs> and you're like, okay, this is where the comedy is going to start to come into this yeah. because obviously it's John Landis. And, and that's another thing that you kind of, at least I forgot is like, he's a, you know, well-known comedy director who made a legit horror film, which mm. is also hilarious um, because it's not a comedy. It is a horror film, but it's the, one of the funniest horrors I've ever seen in my oh, life. Christ, yeah. Like I was dying at so many parts, like jumping around, but later on when he wakes up naked in the zoo is like yeah. one of the funniest sequences I've ever seen in a film. When he's speaking to that kid, trying to get the balloons off him. And then he's like <laughs> to his mum, he's like a naked American man stole my balloons. Like, it's, it's so, it's just comedy gold. Um, yeah, it's mental. But yeah, the, the movie itself, like obviously the, the werewolf bit has been talked about a million times, but actually seeing it in, um you know in the movie yeah. is like mind-blowing it is unbelievable it's w one of the best scenes i've ever seen in a film I, it might be the best special effects ever put on film um it is just groundbreaking in every single way and it's fascinating i, I watched like the there's an amazing amount of extras i mean getting into the mm. actual arrow restoration this movie yeah, looks this perfect yeah this was a new restoration only in 2019 so it looks absolutely incredible um supervised by john landis and they have every extra you could ever want there's multiple feature length documentaries there's one just about the history of werewolves in cinema nice. which i watched about half of it and i was like man this is going so in depth i haven't got time for this and then there was one that was just an hour and a half about this film itself which i ended up watching the whole thing and it was it was awesome hearing about obviously rick baker rick baker's like uh incredible special effects and how he had you know told john about all these things he was going to do and then he went off to make the howling because john mm -hmm. couldn't fund the movie and then john bringing him up being really pissed off being like how have you given these guys all the shit that i want in my film um and i, I really want to see the howling now as kind of like a comparison mm -hmm. because he obviously started the work on that movie then came back for american werewolf and basically a lot of his team finished that movie um so i'm curious to see the kind of the you know the comparison because this movie is just so mind-blowingly awesome um mm. the subway scene was my favorite movie the uh, favorite scene of the whole film um like i think it's the best portrayal of that kind of london underground ever put on film and I, i'm pretty sure like i've been in that exact place where it takes place on like charing cross know, road creep is pretty good yeah uh, it is but this was just oh it was so special and like those long weird tunnels with all the yeah. advertisements on the side and then yeah. the scene when he falls on the escalator and at the top of the screen you can see the werewolf just crawling towards him oh, that was so good. my favorite shot of the whole movie like that Ooh. i want on a poster blown up it is absolutely stunning and yeah i laughed throughout the movie even the ending where they're kind of like you know in the oh, porn theater i'm gonna say doesn't end up in a porn theater yeah. yeah yeah it's like a porn theater and they're like watching this porn movie that john landis made because he wanted to make a porno for this film that was actually the first thing they shot for this really and That's yeah brilliant. It, I didn't honestly, know the documentary is so good because like john landis he is he's one of the hilarious. most likable people ever oh, he's, so he's nice, constantly yeah. talking with a smile on his face and like he just he exudes passion for film which i love and it but without taking it too seriously even though he's a genius and knows everything mm. about every film ever made like 
yeah i couldn't recommend this enough in terms of like an overall package uh, the movie was a 10 out of 10 loved every second yeah. of it but then this package with the extras and this restoration this for me would be up there as like one of the best arrow releases of all time um yeah this i remember when it kind of got announced and it was it was in that phase of when i was pretty much getting any big arrow release if they mm. did those nice versions i remember when this one like arrived i was like oh why did i why did i buy this because <laughs> yeah. i was like you know I, I like this movie fine i've not seen it for a long time but i don't need this and then i slapped it on and i was like this is probably yeah it, it's it's top three probably of, of their releases mm. because it you know for obviously what you said about the movie is spectacular but then this release elevates it to another level because it's just never looked like this before mm. it elevates the effects and i think that's the thing that you watch some of these movies i think um you know i i was I, i've recently just watched lord of the rings in 4k mm. and 4k can make something look shit yeah. especially like crazy effects and that movie only looks better in 4k well, we talked a lot um, about hellraiser and how that that, that doesn't yeah, do that movie justice when exactly. you watch it in hd it starts to show um, the problems behind the scenes this this actually makes the creature effects of the movie looks better which yeah. is just crazy because it should make them look dated um but it doesn't and so yeah it's a fantastic version it's by far the best version of this movie to pick up and, mm. and it's yeah one of the best arrow releases well, that was the thing about that transformation scene where he was like, I'm going to shoot it in in really harsh lighting. Mm. It's going to zoom in on everything. It's not quick cutaways. I'm going to show you the, everything to yeah, the audience. And that's, why, and that's why Rick was like, please don't do this to me. Like, if there's any problems with this effects, they'll show it. And But there wasn't. Mm. It was flawless. And especially the music as well. Like, yeah. he was like, oh, can you at least have some terrifying music to sell the effects? He was like, no, I'm going to play Blue Moon in the background while it happens. And it's perfect. It's absolutely My perfect. My God, some of the soundtrack of that as well oh, like I, I adored this song movie. yeah it's yeah. it's so good I, I had the exact same experience when i first picked it up it's fantastic <laughs> yeah it's out of all of the movies that i've rewatched over the last few years i would say this and carrie are the two that like i never would have said they were my all-time favorite horror movies and having watched the arrow restorations i definitely mm -hmm. would um yeah. and i think in terms of arrow releases it's only Carrie and um, what was the other one I just thought of? Oh, Robocop. They're the yeah. only other two I can think of that are on this level. Like, I think they would be my top three, not movies, but in terms of Arrow releases because of all the extras and the quality of the restoration. Like, I can't think of anything better than those three off the top of my head. No, um, no, probably not. I mean, the Tremors one recently. Was oh, yeah, the fantastic. Tremors. I haven't seen that, so because I can't judge. Yeah, I need and, to see that. And all of the retrospective stuff they had, they had a ton of features and, and everything else. So yeah that that is a, that is a very good one yeah i i completely um, concede that yeah i haven't seen that so i don't yeah. know but i i would assume but, that would be <laughs> but yeah um i guess yeah just just very quickly for me i watched a uh, arrow uh blu-ray as well interesting uh arrow the getting, they of, should just sponsor us at this point i know off the back of uh last week's show mm. was it last week's show what did we do uh, last week? creep show correct correct yeah oh did you watch a bit of creep off, show too uh no i watched <laughs> horror express <laughs> oh really nice did you watch it on their streaming or did you pick it up i picked up the blu-ray nice um and um i'm fascinated to hear your thoughts on this one well it's it's just goddamn hilarious because the the, the thing that's interesting about it is that this movie basically became like pu public domain 
like oh, it's one of those ones, right? So it was. So that's why. That's why. Obviously, they. Oh my god! I can't believe that. that. I was thinking that. Dead. Yeah, because yeah. obviously, Nightmare. Not everyone knows about Night of the Living Dead, but yeah. that's crazy about this movie as well. Well, basically, this movie is a. Do you know uh, how it uh, happened? Well, ba- I can't remember now where it, where it's where it's from. It's Italian or Spanish or something yeah, it's like that. It's a co-production, that. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it basically never got distributed outside of its native country. Yeah. And it just sat there. And apparently, like, a video company just picked it up and put it out on VHS. Like, a right. licensed VHS, but they had no rights to it. Right. And, and no one ever, like, queried it. And, right. and it's just been, like, public domain since then. Right. Um, That's so weird. So, I mean, I, I, you know, it, it's weird that Arrow have put it out. And like, of, of mm. like, I don't know what happened there, and I don't know what the actual licensing is, but like the actual like first American and UK distribution of this of this film was basically just sticking out on home video in the early eighties because this is a this is a seventies movie, but it didn't it didn't come out until the eighties in 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 kind of England and the states, mm. and so it's a, yeah, it's a fascinating movie. I mean. I, I can't really go into my thoughts on the movie because I just found the whole the whole experience hilarious because I was just watching it for the creep show stuff and it was yeah. it was really fun. Like obviously Christopher Lee, I absolutely love um so him being in it and, and being this kind of main character in it was really fun. This this weird kind of um uh prehistoric man that's broken out of the, the train and they're just killing people. Like it was it was just a really crazy fun old like like absolute cheesy really naff effects but really just fun <laughs> to watch yeah and like that coupled with the fact that it had that creep show stuff and i was just seeing these moments especially the first like 20 minutes when it when they're on the train station mm. and all of that stuff was just hilarious to see like i really need to watch creep show again now <laughs> um because i'm fascinated to see like did you know what happened with the actors and stuff like they got different because like the 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 um the countess and the stuff was like obviously they, they it's a different actress for so like the stuff is just with a different actress yeah um for for creep show and it's it's, it's well yeah, they used a combination of the two didn't they yeah a bit yeah, yeah yeah but it's yeah it's just very you know the whole thing was very strange and, and watching it but i just i had to and it yeah i had a great time are there many extras um not not a lot really it's it's a fairly fairly bog standard one um right. It was it. The only the, the big thing was was it's a two K restoration, right? Yeah. Which was which was awesome. Um, I just picked it up here. Here we go. Uh, yeah, just like a few archival interviews. Right. Yeah, and that sort of thing. Nothing, nothing crazy on here. There's no like feature stuff or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Feature length stuff. Just some little interviews. Yeah. Yeah, a few a few original interviews and and then a then a new interview by the looks of it. Mm. Appreciation of Horror Express interviews. Mm. So yeah, not a lot. Yeah, that's the thing with the Arrow stuff is so interesting because like we like for example with this American Wealth in London, the the documentary that's on here obviously they didn't fund it. It was an already made yeah. film, and so they just kind of acquire it and put it on there. And so I think that's what's that's what they do such a good job of, especially with the Robocop release as well. Yeah, well that's that's what they did with the the Tremors one. Yeah, exactly. Because, because you get like, um, you, I can't think what it was now. But it was like something Bay Films or something at the start of the Tremors one, and it, yeah. it literally said a film, another film company's name. But we, yeah, with with Horror Express though, it is a really nice restoration, which is yeah. by far the most important thing. Oh yeah. You know, after after watching um, 
you know deadly blessing mm. kind of you know see seeing this movie from the 70s that should look worse and it looked way better yeah i think that was my thing as well of watching <clears throat> two movies that came out in the same year in the space of a week and like american mm. werewolf just looks so much better mm. <laughs> and yeah. it is interesting to be like okay it must be the restoration but also the way they filmed it as well just had it just stands the test yeah. of time in such a better way um Definitely. <clears throat> but yeah that's good stuff really um i guess that's pretty much it for this week um mm-hmm. maybe at some point we'll talk about thoughts on uh falcon and winter soldier because we talked about it loads when it first came out and i feel like we should have like a final bullet point on yeah, the show maybe. <laughs> do you want to talk about it now or should we save Can it do. i mean yeah i don't have any like hot takes you know i mean thanks for listening and um if you're if you're not here for the marvel stuff because this is the very very final thing just very quickly um because yeah i know i spoke uh, i expressed my concerns regarding episodes three and four and i definitely enjoyed five and six more um it was definitely more in line with one and two i thought like sam's journey is, is kind of becoming captain america was awesome and that's yeah. ultimately what i wanted from the show um i think the title of the show is the biggest problem because bucky's story is just nowhere near that level um, he, he has the, nothing he has nothing he flirts with a couple of women and has yeah, no other progression exactly and it's like they pretty much it looked like they shot all of his stuff in one day in terms of the stuff at the start and then the stuff at the end where he's like mm-hmm. you know says sorry to the guy that killed his son and then yeah. him him basically it's basically him just saying like okay i can't get away from my past which i do like that as a moment where he's like mm-hmm. your son was killed by the winter soldier that's me like he's not going to get a new moniker oh, like yeah, falcon he is just becoming who he is yeah it's cool but it's just it doesn't have like that world changing aspect of, of, you know, um, no, it's, what, it's, what, it's what Black Widow has been the whole time. You know, mm. she's embraced that moniker the whole time. And, you know, that's, that's just kind of what he's doing now. Yeah. So it's, it was still good. And yeah, like I, you know, never, I didn't like the flag smashers. I was glad mm. for it to be over. They were boring in the finale overall, a complete misfire. I, I've already been reading things about how obviously this was one of the major things that was shut down during COVID. There was a whole plot oh, line. There was, in, a, yeah. there was a plot line involving <laughs> a virus and they rewrote that. And that pisses me off. No end. Like stick to your guns, write original content. Do not care about real life stuff. Like it's entertainment for Christ's sake. Um, yeah. So I, it pisses me off that they changed it. They changed it and it made it worse. They changed it so, worse. Yeah. Um, that annoys me. Um, I thought, yeah, Zemo was unsatisfied. I already went into that. I think Sharon being the power broker, I'd already said on the show that I thought that was going to happen. Yeah. um it did it wasn't good um the post-credit sequence where she's just talking to someone randomly on the phone Made didn't no get sense. excited for anything so that was oh. annoying um so yeah it's a very mixed bag i think sam's story was excellent i thought everything I think, else i think that's the big that. thing is that finale that speech he gives as captain mm. america like i think um you know it, it was it was kind of disney almost breaking the fourth wall and being yeah. like this is us basically saying, we don't think you're ready for this, but we're going to give it to you. And I think it's great. Mm. Like I loved it. And I think kind of, um, you know, it, it, it said everything that was probably said internally and kind of like them saying it to your face, like, no, this is what we're doing. And, and it's, it's great that we're doing it. And I, yeah, I think it's fantastic. I thought his performance was outstanding. Yeah. He's like, so good. Just, just so good. Like, um, and, and it, it's the, it's the level of action really more than anything else that, that this, that when they had the action sequences that, you know, there, there was the big Sam scene in the, in the first episode when he's fighting those helicopters, there was kind of like the big scene on the, the, um, uh, lorries, a yeah. little reminiscent kind of matrix reloaded. And, and then kind of in the finale episodes when he fights kind of GSP and kind of has all that stuff. And when he's fighting the, um, the, the bad girl, whatever her name is, Carly, 
Carly and kind of like all of that stuff. I really enjoyed the fact that obviously, um, you know, he's fighting a super soldier and he, he doesn't have any special abilities. He mm. is just using his suit and he is, you know, he is this combination of kind of, he is the new Captain America, but he's kind of like the new Iron Man as well because mm. he's using that Stark tech and using that stuff that, you know, to kind of become kind of, you know, uh, you know, he is just a really intelligent, strong guy. He doesn't have any other superpowers, yeah. you know, and he has to beat them with his wits and with his suit that he's got. And, 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 I, and I enjoy that as a dynamic instead of like Thor, who is a literal god. Yeah. You know, and so I, I enjoy having the scale of, of characters within Marvel and, and, and I enjoy these grand ones a hell of a lot more. Yeah, we saw him just be like a normal family man and stuff. And mm. I think that just adds that character so much. But yeah, I completely agree with that. I love the suit so much. I think yeah. what has been consistent with both WandaVision, with her becoming the, you know, the getting the full Scarlet Witch costume, which was amazing. And now him getting his like so sick, like Captain America outfit. He's got the shield, but he so still cool. has the wings. And so seeing wing, that, yeah. I was like, oh man, I can't wait to see the combinations of those powers. And the fact that mm. we got that in the finale, we got to see him use the shield whilst using the wings in cool yeah, interesting so like action ways yeah i loved all that um it's they haven't officially announced it but this stuff's always true where it was heavily rumored like the day the finale came out that they are starting pre-production on captain america 4 now nice. um so and i think that's great i think he deserves his film at this point yeah. and um i i'm excited i i'm not excited for the sharon stuff there's a long way to go to sell me on that i am excited about johnny walker um mm -hmm. i love him becoming u.s agent um same outfit but in black and i think him him thinking he's working for the good guys when clearly he's not i think that's really cool yeah. um I love the reveal of kind of Ju Julia Louise Dreyfus in this. And she's kind of like the female Nick Fury and she's yeah. almost building the Avengers, but like the bad Avengers. Um, I love that. And so I think, I hope that's the yeah. main story of like us agent. And I hope she pops up in more of these MCU shows, keeps yeah, building like the team, building people. the bad guys. And then that's yeah. kind of like the main threat of captain America Four. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. So yeah, there's like I say, I, I liked a lot of it, but it's it was there was a lot of misfires for sure, like a lot of TV shows. Mm. Um so it's not think, like one division, it wasn't there, this I ten out of ten thing. No, but I think it's done a hell of a lot for building this world. Like I, I you know, one division was this fantastic mm. self contained thing that I don't really need to be part of anything else. Whereas this is like made me really hyped for, for all of that extra stuff. You know, I really want to see Sam as Captain America more. I really want to see the agent stuff and, and all of that stuff, you know? And so that, that's what gets me hyped more than anything, that this was just a really good show with some great action sequences and some great moments and a great setup for the future. Yeah, for sure. I think it was thoroughly enjoyable. Like I say, mm. I'm really glad I watched it, even though there was a low in the middle. I thought that the start and end delivered, and I think ultimately that's mm. what you'd want. Like most things, struggle to keep that kind of entertainment going in the middle. So, yeah, it's it's great. Obviously, we've got six weeks away now from the MCU, and then we return with Loki. Like mm -hmm. that's going to be fascinating because I think even with my problems with Falcon and Winter Soldier, like I say, coming out of it, they fully delivered for me of my big one of my biggest questions from Endgame, which was how does Sam pick up the shield and mm -hmm. now i know the answer to that question in an awesome satisfying way yeah. i just don't think like oh loki with a tesseract in an alternate universe like how is that going to be as good as these two previous shows mm. but we shall see yeah. that's, the, that's the question that they're gonna have to Loki answer. is awesome though he is awesome but he was awesome a decade ago i don't know if i still want loki in the universe but mm. i don't know we'll, we'll have to wait and see he's uh, like i say i love the character love the actor but he was for me he was great in avengers we are very much far past Beyond the that. avengers at this point yeah. um 
but yeah fun times ahead and like i say all new movies for the next five weeks so we've got Crazy. sound of violence next week we've got woman in the window and then the cinemas hopefully fingers crossed are back Otherwise, we've got Army of the Dead, which is a great film to fall back on. <laughs> yeah, so. that's the thing. In our in our complete despair, if the cinemas don't reopen, we do yeah. have a banging movie to watch, and so mm-hmm. at least that will soften the blow. I mean, we'll still be crying for ninety percent of the podcast, but oh yeah, that's what I'm focusing on right now. Of like, oh no, on demand movies that I actually want to see, and then it's kind of like, oh, the cinema—that's the dream. That's that's you can't even imagine that at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, um, the pinnacle right there. For sure. Um, but yeah, that was episode 246. Uh, thanks for listening as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. Through my veins and travels to my head, they said, you'll die soon enough anyway, shut up, I can't, mainly because I never could, how could I start that?